Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. back to morning footy. Here's a look at all of the Carabao Cup quarterfinal action kicking off on ESPN Plus. Tuesday, Everton taking on Fulham at 2.45 Eastern. That is today. Uh, <laughs> same with Fort Vale and Middlesbrough. Uh, that also at 2.45 p.m. Eastern, followed by Chelsea and Newcastle United at 3 p.m. Eastern. And tomorrow, Liverpool taking on West Ham United. Uh, damn, ESPN Plus got all these damn games? Yeah, I know, right? Hey. What gives? What gives? We'll, we'll preview one uh, that's on Galazzo Network here. So we'll spread the love around a little bit. But uh, Nigel, I first want to start with you just on your thoughts on this competition as a whole, as our uh, resident it's, Englishman here. Oh, thank you. Well, we, we've had enough U.S. men's yeah. national team talk. We got a monocle well. lowers from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> a cup of tea appears yeah. out of nowhere. Well, you say. Oh, wow. What? Okay. I like it. Yeah. Anyway. I drink my tea. It's, it's our third tier probably competition. It's the, the League's Cup. You know, it, it, it is a, a good competition. So you're calling the League's Cup the third tier? I'll call it the League's Cup, Carabao Cup, whatever it is. Yeah. But we call it the League's Cup. We refer it to that. I think it just depends on the clubs that's left in the later stages and later rounds. You look at all these Premier League teams that's still in there. The one team that I probably would say won't really go too much to win it, as much as the fans would love to win something, is Newcastle. They've got too many injuries right now and they're trying to concentrate on the Premier League. Finishing in the top four is obviously a big prize. And when you look at the, the emergence of Aston Villa this year, and again, dare I mm -hmm. say, Tottenham doing well, which is quite scary and annoying. And um, There's a lot up. of competition to finish in the top four. So I think for me, the rest of the teams left in there, you look at Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, Everton and Fulham. All those teams will want to win it. But I will probably say Chelsea is the team that will want to win it the most with the dreadful season that they're having right now and the money they've spent. If you spent 225 million roughly on two players only in centre midfield, you need to win at least something. So I think that will be, for me, Chelsea's biggest priority this year. Do they get it done? Edition. I think that's a great shout. I yeah. mean, uh, they've, they've spent a lot and it gives a little silver lining. Yeah. It won't, we want a it trophy. won't satiate the fan base because they've spent a lot of money, they're expecting a lot. But it's something to say, look, we're on the right path. I actually think, while, while I agree, Chelsea, I'm going to go with Everton. I think Everton, this is an opportunity. The fans are already galvanized. They've got the 10-point deduction. If for some reason they happen to meet up with Liverpool in this competition and beat them, it would be a huge boon for this fan base. I could see Everton and Sean Dyche going for this as if this was their Champions League, as if there was, uh, this was their yeah. FA Cup. Uh, the only other team I would say, like Everton, would want to win this is West Ham. West Ham, I think, will be another team that will be really looking at this competition there, and try and get Do you guys want to name another club, too? I'm just saying, we'll just <laughs> you know say. I think Fort Vale. 
actually. What about the most division side remaining? I would have said. Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Be, I'm sorry. Chelsea and West Ham will be the two clubs that would really go to try and win this competition. I, I, I agree. We Who said Everton? Arsenal, I we agree. Would say Arsenal, but they're not in the competition, are they? Oh. No, they've got bigger things to worry about. Bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. Kettle of fish to fry. A whole kettle. They've got a bunch of them. Uh, no, I would agree with Everton, though. I, I think with everything they've gone through this season, this is really, this is this is their shot. I this mean, is their Europe. What what do you what are y'all knucksing about? I'm giving him respect because I agree with him. What? Well, okay, so, <laughs> so, so, so West Ham <laughs> West Ham are not gonna want to win it as well. It'll be great if Everton win it, but still the priority is staying in the Premier League. Remember, this is this period now, this Christmas period, is one of the best and worst times for Premier League clubs because you've got so many games coming thick and fast. You've got to worry about injuries. Have you ever been and then relegated? You've got to transfer? Yes, I have. And so did you know come Christmas that that was going to be a possibility? Like, did you feel at that moment I never it felt, was do or die Christmas time? No, I never felt like that. It was just the experience of knowing when you come to Christmas what comes with it because of the amount of games you play. Whether it was young in my career playing in the championship where literally, I think one point, we played maybe 10 games in the space of three or four weeks. It was literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, then Friday, then like just ridiculous amount of games. So the injuries come. And then you've got the transfer window where players are worried about who's playing, who's not coming in thick and fast. But we managed to sustain it to the end of the, the, the season. And it was the last day of the season we got relegated. But this period here, as a manager, as a player, is one of the most difficult periods. As but much did you, as you lose it. it after Christmas? When you got through it, did you say? No, we didn't lose it after Christmas. We were still there. But then again, it's the priorities change in different mm -hmm. clubs. And it depends what clubs you're at, what your priority is. And I feel for... Everton, it will be great, but still there is that risk and that element because teams can go on a run and still be able to stay up. And if you lose two or three of your players, like we don't, they don't have strength in depth squad-wise, mm -hmm. then your priority will change from wanting to win a cup to staying in the Premier League. That's a really a good point prize. because, I mean, Everton, I mean, while they've been on a good run lately, they're still only sitting in 16th place on 16 points. That's only two ahead of Nottingham Forest on 14. I mean, relegation is still very much a major concern. But based on their form, you would expect that they have, you would that would expect. continue it's to just surprise. form. That's the thing you've got to be careful. It's just form. They, but you're they, also, they this, is a, they this is a quarterfinal. They, they would lose. be in eighth if okay. it wasn't for the if they, if they didn't, but then... Run your club properly. If they lose Calvert-Lewin and lose the core, <laughs> it's a different Everton side we're looking at now. Sure. We're going to say where these goals are going to come from. And then you start getting into a run of not scoring goals. And you look at the type, like Luton for me is, is the one side I really like so far. They've got nothing to lose. And they're nearly pulling off some shock results and stuff. And, you know, there's still a long way to go. They made some smart purchases in Ross Barkley, some players with experience. But as far as Everton is concerned, I feel like their recent form shows that they are the ilk of a mid-table maybe top mid-table team. So I'm not worried about yeah. them relegation and unless they go on a terrible run that I think negates what they've done yeah. so far. It's also the quarterfinal. They have not a ton of games left. In this, this is an easy trophy for them to win because of how many games it would take, yeah. not because it's the yeah. competition. 100%. Uh, the last, Even though we've already said everyone's taking The other it. two uh, non-Premier League sides, Nigel Portvale and, and Middlesbrough, who are you backing? Uh, it's gonna, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough are probably going to get that right. Uh, Michael Carrick's doing a good job. It's a, it's a difficult league to manage in, in the championship and with all the players. And most of the, the managers in that league now would probably go to the big clubs to loan players in and stuff like that. And then the rotation of players in that by the end of the season 
is uh, very difficult. But it's great to see, again, we talk about cup competitions, smaller sides, smaller clubs, not that you can call Middlesbrough a small club. But they're, only four, they're only four points ahead of Wayne Rooney's Birmingham. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's not exactly a high bar at no. the moment. Uh, we will step aside for a quick break here on Morning Footy. When we it's come back, Adriana will return with more of today's headlines. Stick around. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at your Tuesday footy fix. Order a Red Diamond taking on Man City at 1 p.m. on FIFA Plus in the FIFA Club World Cup semifinals. Dortmund taking on Mainz at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus in the Bundesliga. A chance for uh, Dortmund to maybe get a win. They haven't had one in three straight. Carabao Cup action kicking off as well. Chelsea taking on Newcastle. That is at 3 p.m. on ESPN Plus, the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup. And Coppa Italia, we've got that one on Galazzo Network. Round of 16 action between Napoli and Frozenone. That is at 3 p.m. And in La Liga, Atletico taking on Hetafe, 3.30 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Now let's send it over to Adriana with today's headlines. Thank you, Ali. We're going to start with Americans abroad news. PSV Sporting Director Ernie Stewart has confirmed that PSV is interested in turning the loans for Malik Tillman and Serginia Dest into permanent moves. Speaking to the Seagull Sport podcast, Stewart revealed that Tillman and Dest have purchased options in their loan deals with PSV. Options Stewart admitted the club is interested in picking up. Tillman is on a loan to PSV from Bayern Munich, while Das is on a loan from Barcelona. In MLS news, Inter Miami has officially announced its February friendly against Argentinian side Newell's Old Boys. Lionel Messi and the Herons will face its boyhood club in a friendly on February 15th at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Inter Miami head coach Tata Martino also has strong ties to Newell's, having played more than 400 matches for the club from Rosario, Argentina. Nigel, 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 I change your name. <laughs> That's okay. Me, you're, just, you're just giving Nigel a taste of his own medicine. No, no, no. She did not. You just called me Niggle. I didn't. I didn't. Nigel. Wow. Pre friendlies are unusually very exciting, but do you think Messi facing his boyhood club brings something special that makes something it worth playing? here. No, this Sorry, is. Sorry, I didn't say that word. No, it's, it's like, okay. It's okay because Nigel called Alexis Alex yesterday. Yes. So we're just. And, yeah. I mean, we I don't know if I should even bring it up, but when... And he called Susanna, Michelle. Michelle, yeah. Oh. Oh. What's this? Get the dirty laundry out. <laughs> hey, we're just trying no, to make guys feel better, better, no, feel better, better. about <laughs> Anyway. A little Freudian slip. Anyway, it's, go for it. The difficult one is it, it's pre-season, so players don't really take it. Uh, anyway. Professional limit now, people. <laughs> it's pre-season. Uh, players don't really take it too serious. It's still just leading up to the season. I think for me, this kind of seems more like a testimonial for, Les for Messi more than anything else, really playing his boyhood club. I'm surprised they didn't try and organise something with uh, Barcelona. 
But it's, it's, it's just more fun for Messi, really. It's, it's more about Messi than anything else. Yeah, it's the Miami Globetrotters at this point. <laughs> yeah, Miami, Miami is in talks with Barcelona to try and play a game. So it's, I love it because I do think it, it's helping put it, – it, it's Ooh, cool it for Messi. It's helping put the league on the map in a more global way. Wait, which is I think why the we league can't be an open all, cup? But you is say that, that why MLS teams can't be an open cup? Because <laughs> Messi has to play 11 friendly. Yeah. The league would always be followed anyway because you have Leo Messi there. So it doesn't matter. All Argentinians, the majority of them will follow it or look to see what's happening with Messi's team. So it's more about Messi than It is more about Messi, about but him. imagine well, if you're... Well, Martino, too. He played his whole, most of his career for Newell's Old Boys. So yeah. both of them. Right. So and it's, it's a... It's a testimonial. It, but like, essentially, that's what it is. It's instead of Messi going to play for Newell's Old Boys, yeah. right, that, which isn't going to happen, this is more of a, all right, he's going to get to play against Newell's Old Boys. And people who are fans of whether it's Argentina or Newell's Old Boys, they can come to watch this. Yeah, which is great. This reminds me it, okay, of Okay, I'm curious what Nigel's, uh, who would your great two? Miguel, who's my what? Who's <laughs> my what, sorry? What, what two teams uh, on your uh, fun little testimonial tour would you want to go play against? I have no, I have no team testimonial tour. Do, wait, do you guys even know what a testimonial is? Just, yeah. I'm just asking, no, honestly, I'm asking. Like, who, who would your viewers, clubs some be? Some of our viewers might not know. It's when, like when, when a uh, player stays at a club for yeah. more than 10 years yeah. service, which doesn't happen a lot nowadays, the club that you stayed at will organize a, uh, a friendly for you, a big football quiz. sellout fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a test. And then the player Ammonia. gets all the money generally, or the player might donate it to charity, but something that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, no I feel like you've got to give it to charity players, at that point. <laughs> no, you, some players don't. You know, it's a testimonial. So it's, it's for you service for 10 years, and then um, yeah. that's what it is. And that was Britsplaining with Nigel ah, Rhea Coke. <laughs> <laughs> we should get sponsored. Oh my gosh, that was a genuine you. laugh that you brought got there. By, that was nice. Brought oh, to you fun. by Jaffa Cakes. No, that was tea with <laughs> Nigel. That was, <laughs> that was tea. Spilled with the tea. Nigel. All right, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we've got our U.S. Open Cup mailbag. We are answering your questions here next. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. The U.S. Open Cup Final. Inter-Miami against Houston Dynamo. Artur with his drive for Griffin Dorsey. Looking for the angle is Dorsey! This is nothing less than magisterial! Ball in, Yedlin is there. Yedlin, contact, it's a penalty. I mean, Bossy down the middle, and the Houston Dynamo have two on the board. Here's a chance for Miami, and they've made a game for it. Joseph Martinez sneaking into the box, but there's the final whistle as the Dynamo will lift the U.S. Open Cup. 
Well, the big news in American soccer is the fact that on Friday it was announced that Major League Soccer announced its plans to not have its first teams participate in the most historic competition in all of American soccer, the U.S. Open Cup. That was a decision that was ratified by the MLS Board of Governors and has not yet been uh, signed off on by U.S. soccer. But either way, this would be a huge and massive massive change to what has been an incredibly successful and just historic tournament in in U.S. soccer. So uh, we had a very long discussion about it yesterday on the show, but we also wanted to hear from you, the fans who uh, have followed this competition and who want your questions answered. So we have put out our Tuesday mailbag and we've got your questions to answer here on the show. So The first mailbag question is, why do you think MLS chose this season to make this this change? Well, fixture congestion is the main reason for this because you you got MLS regular season, League's Cup now, and... That's their own fault, though. Right, so now all these clubs in CONCACAF Nation uh, Champions Cup. So if you're, you're playing all these matches, there's a lot of pushback saying, hey, the players... We can't play 60, 70 matches in a season. LAFC played, what, 50, almost 55 matches right. this year? Right, and, and the players are saying that's too much yeah. for, for the depth that we have. If you're pushing these players, and we see in MLS teams nowadays, it's you're not getting past the 14th player typically in terms mm-hmm. of depth. So if you have these injuries because of the, so many matches, then owners and, and coaches are like, that's enough. So they're saying, hey, we can we can push the U.S. Open Cup aside because not too many teams take it serious until you get to like the semifinals or finals. But we come back to a if you if you want to rotate your squads, fine. But you shouldn't be mm-hmm. pulling out of the competition entirely. It, but, it's also how many games for I, MLS teams is it realistically? I mean, for the ones who go far, yes, you're playing. But then my, my pushback to that or my question to these guys is. When you look at it compared to the rest of the world football, the amount of games that they're playing, the games that these guys are not playing is not really that much Difference, compared to the rest but, of the world. But Charlie mentioned it is depth. With yeah. that, depth with and travel but is it's, another it's like you big said, one as it's well. It's the manager's responsibility to change your squad. Play but they're not allowed players. to. There's, there's issues with the cap. There's only so many players that are allowed. I think, Ali, you brought up there's only so many times you're allowed to bring up a player from the youth from, from the secondary teams, like the MLX Next Pro squad. Yeah. And, and I think this calls into question, if it's a self-imposed, you know, a match saturation, there's too many matches, which again, self-imposed outside of the uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup, if that's the case, then open up this salary cap. I know they don't want to have more than three DPs, but maybe that's not necessarily what's needed. Maybe it's an opportunity to bring some more of these players up so that it could be to the coach's discretion to bring up some of the next MLS Next Pro kids and let them play. Well, and, and this is the rule, just to, to you know, put it out there. So the MLS rules offer a short-term contract option that allows clubs to sign players on loan from their MLS Next Pro affiliate teams for MLS regular season play, U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, and exhibition matches. A player, though, can sign a maximum of four short-term contracts per season and appear in no more than two league matches a season. So that's really difficult for clubs because, number one, you don't know what your injury situation is going to be like at any given point in the season. And so it's hard to be strategic with these and, like, do you want to use all that uh, at the U.S. Point, Open Cup? And how many players on the reserve team are realistically even of the quality to get called up to the right, senior but, team? But for, for, well, it, that can be, uh, you know, a player that eventually will get there because 
now we're looking at players who are breaking in 16, 17, 18. Like, that's a norm now yeah. in MLS. But for, for Nigel, you played in Vancouver. Yeah, it might not be 55, 60, 70 ma matches where other clubs like Manchester City players are, are putting on, but they're not traveling five hours on a plane or six hours or four. Each when you're, when you're, no, when you're in Vancouver, you got to go all, of, Listen, all yeah. over the, the country. 100% I agree with you, and that was one of my, my, my gripes and arguments where I just didn't feel that the players were being respected enough in my opinion, as professional football players and how they were treated when it comes to the travelling and stuff like that. And I remember having conversations with Didier Drogba when he came in. He was surprised. There's a lot of players that are very surprised. And for me, mm -hmm. that needed to improve a tremendous amount. There still should not be only a certain amount of flights per season. And my biggest thing is I just say this. No, it's I've not been... anymore. Huh? It's not anymore. That, that's gone. What, travelling? Um... Charter flights is Char now. Yeah, charter it's flights charter flights, flights now. All flights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which helps, so but so it's still your like, arguments have helped. It's a grind. Yeah, yeah thank you, Nigel Hill for doing the Lord's work for me. Great job. Okay, let's get to Laguna question number again. two. If you are U.S. soccer, do you punish MLS? And if so, how do you do that? I like will this they? Oh, will they? And look, let's be honest. There's a negotiation. Maybe that's hand. question one A. Will they? Yeah, like a what, slap on what the MLS, wrist. Thing. What MLS wants is probably not to not start their first teams in in U.S. Open Cup. They're using that as a chip. They're moving, they're moving their chips in. They're trying, to, they're, they're trying to play poker. They're playing chicken with U.S. soccer. Will U.S. soccer blink? That's the question. In the past, they have. Yeah, in the past, they must have got something in the eye because <laughs> nice. uh, they've been <laughs> blinking this. every time. And at some point, Stunning. U.S. soccer, and the fans that are cynical about MLS consider these opportunities a moment where U.S. soccer can prove that they're not quote-unquote, or in a way in cahoots with MLS with these decisions, and every time U.S. soccer hasn't proven them wrong. And it's time for them to at least step up and say no. They this both, isn't how it they goes. Bo they both need each other yeah. to grow the game. Why can't we all country? just get along, just, everybody? Just work it out. We need U.S. soccer and MLS to both be strong, to be helping each other. Yeah, Why Absolutely. are you smiling so big Yeah, Nigel just cannot No, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I find it funny because for me... As an outsider looking in, MLS have basically called U.S. soccer's bluff now. So now it's U.S. soccer have to show, are they serious about developing the game in this country now? So MLS have put them on the stage. Now it's time for U.S. soccer to really show if they're serious about developing the game in this country and being the governing body that's actually going to govern and make tough decisions. This is what comes with it. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that relating to England, you talk about the Football Association, how they work in partnership with the Premier League, how at one point there was too many foreigners in the Premier League and they came together to make rules about homegrown talent and young players can go into to English Premier League academies. As long as they're there for four or five years, they're considered as homegrown because the academy invests to develop these players. So it's working together to develop it. There was one point there was a lack of English players playing. Now there's a good amount of young English players playing. So it's working together to develop the league for the good of the nation as well as the Premier League. So yeah, now those US corners taught you guys soccer. how to play. Is, oh, is, is Don Garber yeah. on the board of U.S. Soccer, Board of Governors? Ivis, can you fact yeah, check Yeah, Ivis is going to fact check that. While he does, let's get to question number three. We've been talking all about the money, money, money. Should U.S. Open Cup raise the prize money to match League's Cup? Would that make a big difference here? Yes. I think, uh, at least from the, the player's perspective, more money means... There's, there's a real push to play these games. You, you make it worth it in, in their eyes. It, and you know, but that, this is, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to trickle down to the players. 
Well, it's going to be what contract well, club, entirely but, now, but if the you know how much they the got, you the know players. how much you can ask for now. And I will say, <laughs> this isn't just a MLS players don't get paid enough, so they're going to want to play for the money. You saw Giannis Antetokounmpo when he was talking about not even wanting to play in the in-season tournament, and the guy goes, what are you going to do with the $100,000? He's like, yeah, we get getting $100,000? Uh, Justin, <laughs> Don Garber <laughs> is on the board of directors for U.S. soccer. There you go. So you got, you got the league, MLS saying this, U.S. soccer, but they have – the commissioner of Major League Soccer. Damn, so he was like, yo, we're pulling out the first team player. And he was like, what'd you just say to me? <laughs> uh, that's it, we pull out the first team player. Nah, you can't do that. Nah, I can't. Oh, my God, maybe, right, hey, maybe we can let you do hey, it. Hey, we'll talk tomorrow. I hey, see you. Phones, <laughs> look at us. Hey, before we go to break, quickly, yes or no, is this decision reversed by MLS before next season? Well, I mean, you, I, you, got, you got... Yes or no, Charlie Davies? I, I I believe there's a possibility. A possibility, I, okay. That, that that things change. I'm English. Okay. <laughs> so that's what does a, that mean? So, I don't know. Yeah. No. I say it's a yeah. This isn't gonna. Okay. Breaking. All right. There yeah. you have it. Well, we will step aside for a quick break. We've got uh, more morning footy for you. <laughs> we return. Bye. Hello. Hello. It's Messi. Hey, hey, this is also Messi. Uh, Original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Let's check in with our Americans abroad, shall we? Weston McKinney uh, coming off a full 90 minutes for Juventus. Tim Weah, 22 minutes in his return from injury. So good to see him back out on the pitch. Serginio Dest uh, had a goal in the 16th minute for PSV. Melek Tillman coming uh, in with the assist. Matt Turner made four out of six saves in a 2-0 loss to Tottenham. But, uh, oof, he's been... Kind of struggling here as of late, and Emmanuel Sabi scored a brace against Nice. It was his first goals in Ligue But, guys, I want to focus on the goalkeepers because Matt Turner is man number one for the U.S. men's national team at Nottingham Forest. And I, I think with how he's been doing as of late, it's maybe creating a little bit of a question as to what does this goalkeeper room really look like for the U.S. men's national team and how much confidence is there at the moment as Nigel has already given Charlie a look. I'm just smiling. I'm well, smiling, my colleague. Okay. So yeah, Nigel's so happy let, to see. Let me get into this, okay? Let Chuck cook. We're... I need to hear this. <laughs> Matt Turner is the U.S. number one, Okay. He went to Nottingham Forest to prove that he can be a number one in the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. It, hasn't, it hasn't gone according to plan, right? His form, I think, is decision-making. But we know how good of a keeper he is. Shot stopper, first and foremost, he is superb. He is elite shot stopper. Building out of the back, maybe not where we, he would want to be or where Arteta would want him to be, which is why he made the move because he wasn't going to play because his feet are not good enough in terms of if you're going to com- compete with a, 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 a Raya, for instance, at Arsenal. So I have confidence that Matt Turner will come good, that he will be the number one because right now the depth chart 
it is weak. Yeah. It, at the end of the day, it is weak. There's no one I mean, we pushing that We were all having a conversation trying to name the best American there, there is, keepers playing, no even domestically. For the first time in a long time, that list isn't stacked. Uh, but I will say, a negative for uh, Matt Turner, who, again, you know, I, I hate to say this, but if he's not good enough for Arsenal with his feet and distributing the ball out of the back, isn't that the way Halter wants to play? Isn't that a bad sign for his standing as the number one for U.S. men's soccer, along with the fact that when he does get on the pitch for Nottingham Forest, it's not a great look? He's making wild mistakes? Well, then guess what? You don't play as much as you want out of the back with your goalkeeper. And if you look at the World Cup against England, and I go back to that, mm -hmm. he used his feet. Mm -hmm. he, he came out 30 oh, no, he's yards from goal. Capable. He's, he's capable he's of doing capable. it, sure. But if it's not a strong point, if he's not able to do it consistently, is that the guy you really want? And I do, I do believe he's our number one, and I, I, will believe, I do believe he will settle. But as of right now, if he can't play out of the back consistently, is that who you really want? Nigel, well, I, if no. we're talking about playing with the feed, I, here's the mistake from over the weekend against Tottenham. That's I mean, that's... It's, it's, see, it's the hand. Kulusevsky goes to his right. He shoots near post. It goes through Matt Turner's hands. But that was, a, that was an errant pass from him. Right. At the end of the day, I don't care about my keeper's feet. That is not why you're in the goal no. to no, build them no, back. No, 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 no. I don't say that, no, Charlie. I want, no, Charlie, no, the no, game's wrong. changed so you much. Are, yeah, it has. Exactly. I'm with Chuck here because first and foremost, you need your goalie to stop the ball from going yes. in the back no, of the net. That's no. their primary the objective the in the US. It's the evolution of the position. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it's not the priority. It's like nowadays you look at center backs now. The biggest thing to be a center back was head it and kick it. That's what they cared about. Be dominant in the air. If you can't play with your feet as a centre-back now the majority of the time, you're not playing for the top 1% of teams. You're not going to That's be there. Facts. It's the evolution no, I, of your Nigel, position. I'm going to ask you a question and now. Also, how, how good is Ramsdale's feet? How good is Mike Mignon's feet? How good is Thibaut Courtois' feet? If you could play to their feet, were you telling me that you have complete confidence that they can... Evade, they are okay, evade a striker they, coming at them. They might play not under have pressure. the best feet, but they are tremendous shot stoppers. And for the team that they're in at the moment, yeah, but you're saying something, but Matt Turner is not a tremendous shot stopper right he now. That's is. just the reality. He's not. He, but not he's at not that kind of right level. level. My, and he's not showing My it. point, when Matt Turner is confident, he is an elite shot stopper. Elite. So I, I think that's an, a good elite. conversation to stopper. have, though, and that is with this with this U.S. men's national team, if confidence is so important for how they are producing on the field, how can we get our number one goalkeeper in a position where he is feeling more confident in Matt Turner, or how can we get this entire goalkeeper me, room that is either not consistently playing or is not confident? Let me say, from my opinion, Look outside, looking in, again, for me, it goes to what Nico's dad said in the documentary. It's about, for me, the personality aspect, where Charlie's generation, these guys have an edge about them. There's that extra desire, there's that extra, kind of that, that oh, fighting mentality. Kicking yeah, kicking, kicking it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that fighting desire. This young generation don't have that. Charlie's right. Matt Turner's got great ability. But everything we're saying, Charlie can believe in Matt all he wants from sitting here. Matt has to believe in himself and go out there and sure. show it. You don't no think one he does? but Matt can do it. You, you, and no, but that, that show it part, that, he's right. Have that edge, but he has to he's show right. it consistently. Yeah. Like Matt has to go and say, mm -hmm. I'm good enough. I'm number one. I don't care what you think. You can call it arrogance, whatever it is, but you have to have it. Brad Friedel had it. Uh, no, Tim Howard no had doubt. it. No doubt. 
Guzan had it, and I met I met Guzan when he was young. Came in there, and Guzan brought into the culture Wait, where we had to we battered. Do we do we think then that this is a bigger issue of personality and just a, a generation, a mindset of a generation, or is there something that we can identify in the development guys, of the we'll guys, guys, guys? You guys are changing the, comp- the, t- the the topic completely. Matt Turner is a realist. If you ask Matt Turner, and you went, "Hey, you playing well?" He'd say, "No." I put my hand up. There is, there's a point of being a realist and staying humble, yes, but there's a point of you have to have the arrogance to say, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. That's and, what it is. And He's that's, not why, why do you think he bet on himself to go to Nottingham Forest? He knows Nottingham, Nottingham Forest isn't a back line that's going to prevent high-quality chances from, okay. from being... If you know, okay, if you know that, right, he has the... the we, we said it, and I'm, just from watching, outside watching, that clearance there, as soon as he made that pass, you could see straight away... Confidence was gone. And then when the shot comes, a shot that he should save, it puts the magnifying glass in him to say, wait, you can make a mistake, no problem. You ain't got great feet. But you've got to pull the save after that. That's the thing. Th- That's what you're in the Premier League now. You're going to be judged at the highest we're level. Corner. We are, agree- we are in agreement there. Because oh. look at, okay, I mean, the best goalkeeper oh. right now in world football with his feet is Onana. And look at the scrutiny that he gets when it comes to shot stopping and some of the stuff. And if it wasn't for Onana... Inter Milan would have never made that Champions League final that they did because he was sensational with the saves that he was making. And Charlie might not like it, you need feet as a goalkeeper, but the evolution of goalkeeping has changed. And one of the big contributors for me was um, De Hoyer. When we started to see goalkeepers making a lot of saves with their feet, which was something that we've never seen before. Because mostly goalkeepers go with their hand. Now you see them a lot doing a lot with going in the knee, using what, what their feet. Charlie and I were both not saying that, that playing with the feet the wasn't position. important. It was Every position has changed and evolved yeah, from what, what we you say. See. You mentioned Thibaut Courtois, play, keepers like that, as incredible shot stoppers as they are, that they're not, their game isn't focused on playing with their feet. They also are passing out to players of a slightly higher ilk than we are. We need our full squad to play at, at the top level in order for us to succeed as the U.S. And that starts with creating that space that starts with playing out of the back. I think it's a little more important than you're giving it credence uh, to. No, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying he can't I play with his feet. I said it's a little more important what I'm, than what you What I'm saying is, let's get back to Matt Turner being an elite shot stopper and not relying on him to bell the back. He didn't play at Arsenal, yet he came to the World Cup and was phenomenal. He was, one, there the was one, no question mark. No, no he was phenomenal. Charlie, the, one, the one or two chances he got, this is my point about this is the pressure that comes with it. These co- kids need to understand this is what you're going into. He got one or two opportunities at Arsenal and it wasn't great. He played in Europe against the uh, Sporting and then the next game he didn't play. They put Ramsdale straight back in because Arteta's a manager who's your manager. Didn't still saw something in it where to say he's not good enough or not mentally strong enough to handle these situations. Like This is what you... When you're young to become a football player, you dream about playing at Anfield and on Trafford. When you get there, I'm not going to sit back to say, oh my God, I'm at Anfield, I made it. No, it's, I'm at Anfield, this is what I dreamt about. Now, I'm going to make sure I leave a mark on someone and people are going to remember my name. That was my mindset. That is the mindset I feel that's slightly lacking from some of these how, generations. How, how, I would agree how, that it should have gone better say, at, New, at Nottingham Forest, no? Yeah, it should be going better at a, 100%, at but, okay. but how can you sit here and say that they don't have that mindset? Not that they don't live up to expectations, but you think Tyler Adams went to Leeds and Bournemouth, I know he's injured, but you think he doesn't have that mindset that's, and that mentality? That's Tyler Adams. I like Tyler Adams. You think I Weston like McKinney? In him. Weston like, McKinney who's saying, uh, okay. Allegri's like, get out, I don't want you here. I, I and he like, stayed oh, no, and he's but, playing. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about Matt right now. For those two guys, they do have that edge in them. And I like Tyler Adams. I like Weston. Weston probably wasn't in shape when he went to Leeds. 
He should have been in a better physical shape for the Premier League than he was. But they've got that edge in them. For me, I like Matt. Matt is a nice kid and he seems like a nice guy. And he needs to lose that niceness and get that edge in him. And Saka, Saka's a nice guy, but he gets kicked left, right and centre. I said it before, if I was Saka, I would two-foot someone once in a while to let them know I ain't the one <laughs> to play with. Zinedine Zidane was a nice player, but you see that edge in him. Dennis Bergkamp <laughs> was a very nice yeah. player, but you see that edge in him. You need that edge in you. The best players have that little bit of edge in them. Yeah, no one is denying, I think, what you just said is perfect. Matt Turner is an excellent goalkeeper, clearly lacking some confidence at the moment, but the ingredients are all there. All I know is I back him. Yeah, I just think yeah. I never said I didn't back him. All right, well, we will, we'll, take a, we'll take a break <laughs> here on Morning Footy. When we come back, we're going to talking some Club World Cup. Stay with us. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back to Morning Footy. FIFA Club World Cup semifinals kicking off on FIFA Plus. You can watch uh, Urura Red Diamonds taking on Man City. That is later on this afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern. Fluminense uh, defeated Al Ali SC 2 0 in their match, so they will move on to the next round. But. <laughs> Nigel taking his um, his little artifact off the desk here, and I want to come to you first and just get your perspective on what this competition means to different regions of the world because it's, it's perceived differently uh, in, in different parts. It of is the perceived globe. differently. Um, I'll probably say for the Latin American region, that's where it probably means the most because it's just having that. We Rasta, it's having that badge on your that's sleeve. That's Charlie's default face. That says <laughs> you are the best club in world football and for people who don't understand it to get them understand it's the different regions obviously have their different varieties of the champions league and it's all the winners of the different regions come together for one person to be crowned the best club in the world football and the latin americans take it very very serious all the latin clubs the big historic clubs flamengo sao paulo you know uh, santos all these clubs historically take this competition so seriously. I think it's a, I think for speaking from this hemisphere or the perspective from this hemisphere, I think it's an opportunity to earn a little bit of respect from Europe, uh, mm -hmm. especially when you're playing some of these massive clubs in the past or Real Madrid's, your Manchester cities, uh, Manchester United's definitely in the past. Uh, it's an opportunity to show we can go toe to toe with you, even though we don't have the budget and we don't get the shine. And also for FIFA, this is a huge opportunity because UEFA makes a ton of money with Champions League, a ton of money. They blow out the amount of money that FIFA makes. FIFA only has the World Cup, and they only do that once every four years, which is why they want to do it every two years. This, and expanding this, which we're going to see in 2025, is an opportunity for them to balance that budget a little bit and compete with UEFA, because UEFA is a very very strong well, bully from a player's in the world of football. It's, yeah. it's the exposure. It's the opportunity to play against a Real Madrid, a Manchester City, to, to show, hey, maybe this is my chance to get purchased. Maybe this is yep. my chance to test myself against the world's best to see where I'm at. What, what yeah. are my expectations as a player? The only difficult thing right now is the quality level and the balance is just, the gaps is just enormous now. Like this competition's pretty much been dominated recently by European clubs. You know, you had a few periods and the first ever three was won by Latin American clubs. But since 2012, it's literally been 13 out of the last 14 
have been won by European clubs, and the, just the, the quality level is just. It's damned so if you do, damned now. if you don't, though, because even if a club outside of Europe wins it, most fans will be like, ah, well, we didn't really care about that. It's a, it's a known, it's a, it's a nonsense competition. Well, I will tell you what, though, I, I think a lot of European clubs now are starting to care about it. This, this is, is, this is, is where a, a young, a young Neymar start for Santos against Barcelona, and next thing you know, he's yeah. at Barcelona. I will say, you know, in 2025, it's expanding, and I don't know if you guys saw how you qualify for it. There's a couple different ways you qualify for it. They're going to take, uh, for Copa Libertadores, the winners between 2021 and 2024, and two other teams determined by club ranking, yada, yada, yada. So it's not just win the competition. There's things. But there's a... a there's what does yada, yada, yada? Yada, yada, qualify. I'll explain. A bunch of yada, where is this club? Where is this competition being hosted in 2025? I'm guessing Saudi Arabia. No, it's right here in this country, in the United States of America. And there's an additional qualification. Host country, one team... Access for the club occupying the slot to be determined. The host country gets to add one team from the country US to the Open competition. Cup champion. Do wow. You, no, not U.S. Open Cup champion. Into Miami. Into Miami. Into Miami. Into Miami. added to the to the FIFA. Oh my the FIFA gosh! Club I cannot believe it. Wow, that we found a way to get Messi wedged into this competition. <laughs> wedged or thrown in. There you uh, go. America, America. This guy can do it all. That's a. I mean, Suze is usually the the one bringing the the musical talents to the yeah. desk. But that was usually that was the nuggets I have are fried and dipped in barbecue sauce. But this time it was an information <laughs> nugget. Oh, look beautiful. at that! We're so proud of you, Alexis. All right, Alex. Uh, let's get into the highlights uh, from yesterday, shall we? Fluminense taking on Al Ali. Uh, Fluminense getting the two nil win to advance to the next round. And uh, this was really. They dominated this game. Here's uh, an early chance in the ninth minute. Uh, but the goal oh wouldn't come later on. Oh, my volley by Arias. That's a flock Fantastic. Oh, technique. That one like, banged off the corner. Uh, unbelievable. Jean Arias. And then uh, in the 67th minute, there would the be... You know what I love about this? This is just this is what we talk about football intelligence. What I don't think gets taught a lot over here. It's the fact he gets his body in before, in between the ball and the defender to win that penalty. That's just experience there. That defender had no idea how he got in front of him. He was yeah. like, how'd you do that? As for this penalty, this is just it's it's sexy football, isn't it? John with a little Kennedy. Stutter puts it in the back of the net. That would give Fluminense the one-nil lead. And they'd get a second in the 90th minute at the death. I, I got to give a shout-out to Kennedy. one of my former teammates, Yassine Mikari, a Tunisian international who is uh, on the staff at Al-Ali. And they've just been a powerhouse for so long. And, you know, at the end of the day, Fluminense had to show out. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome, awesome competition. And they will, Fluminense will now I'm take on the winner. That, you know, they're going to expand it. And kids in this country will get a chance to see some of the, some of the, the most talented players. Do, do you think know, about that kid world. who's grown up his whole life being with an Al Ali poster on his wall. You know what I mean? Or the do you know what I love? red dot. <laughs> this guy. You'd be surprised. No, I'm sure there are. Do you know what? Do you know what I like about this competition? Well, obviously, uh, Fluminense will play the winner of Manchester City today, yeah. right? Manchester City bought one of Fluminense's up and coming star and a young kid, Kayaki, a 20 year old sensational winger. What I like about the matchup, if Manchester City make the final, is. When you look at Brazilian teams and Brazilian players, there's a culture behind their football. You even look at how the penalty was taken. It's an element of street football, samba, and how they, they approach the game. There's great individuality. When these players leave the Brazilian and come to Europe, they become a lot more structured. 
and a lot more discipline. I don't know whether it's gone too much now. Except for Ronaldinho and see... Ronaldo. No, but that was a generation. Yeah. But yeah. since that generation stopped, if you look at a lot of the Brazilians now, we're not used to them playing the Brazilian way. The only player that I can say Brazilian plays that way is Paquetá at West Ham still that does that. So sometimes it's going to be interesting because Manchester City is so structured in how they defend, coming up against these raw Brazilian, not talent-wise raw, but raw in expression in that final third of the skills and how they do it. That's going to be an interesting matchup. There's actually see. a big push in Brazil to stop being so European. Actually, yeah. Yeah. back that Joga Bonito. Hundred so percent. I'm excited to see, especially Fluminense with Geniz as their manager. They play that. They just style play that style. to a T. So I can't wait to it's see great. that. You're already filling in Nico's role perfectly, giving us the full oh, well, well, Brazilian I'm, I'm, breakdown. I'm, just, I'm here to be Nigel. Trust me. I'm no, international. Hold on. I, you saw my I, name at Nigel, your stadium was, in Kansas. There you go. I did. I, he is. He's international. Hey, so in, I made it to Kansas. That's how he did. I saw a Rio Coker jersey at an Arsenal bar in Kansas City, Missouri. Teach Nigel how to pronounce no in Brazil. I was just trying to say that Nico always. How do you say, say, always, hey, uh, do you say para, no in para Brazil? Now. Now. We got to teach you that. Now. Now. And with that, we will just end the show. Uh, thanks for watching. Morning Footy. <laughs> morning Footy. Morning what? <laughs> morning Feedy. She said morning Feedy. Did she just say good day? You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.